without the pen of Thomas Paine, the sword of Washington would have been wielded in vain. John Adams. The Spirit of Thomas Paine, 1737 to 1809, author of Common Sense. Published in 1776, Common Sense was the greatest selling document of its day, second only to the Bible. In 1784, Payne was awarded a 277-acre farm on North Avenue in New Rochelle, New York, for his service in the American Revolution. Uh, my name is Suzanne Tanswell. Uh, currently, I'm the chairperson of Museum Affairs. I'm also a board member. Before that, I've been a volunteer since 1998, and I became a board member in 2017. And I'm Gary Bush. I am currently the president of the board. Um, I have been on the association for roughly 25 years and um, became president in 2018. No, 19. 19, when the previous president passed away. Um, and since then, we have had uh, challenges with our flood here during Ida and just getting our membership built back up. My mother used to read me stories about history rather than bedtime stories, and I was kind of hooked into history. What about it that fascinates you? It's always evolving. It's always changing. Um, I, I've always loved stories, and history is just one big factual story. We are the Huguenot and Rochelle Historical Association, and just this past year, I actually tracked my lineage to Huguenots. So I am an actual Huguenot descendant. So we fast forward from the Dutch colonization in the 1600s to Thomas Paine. From the earliest days, he was a guy, he was a soul looking for a purpose, a soul looking for an identity, a soul looking for a true home. He never wanted to be English. He denounced England and what it stood for. and He, he couldn't stand the monarchy. And when he first came to America, he was 37 years old, and really only a fledgling amateur writer at that point. And while he was initially caught up with this, this spirit, this incredible reaction that he had for this, this incredible place called America and the opportunity that it, that it offered, he never really was an American. And, and they, the Americans didn't even really consider him American, even though he put everything, every ounce of effort and spirit and even money into the war effort. To the point where he just sort of assumed that this new nation would take care of him in the aftermath. But it didn't really work that way. And even though he wrote the greatest selling documents since, other than the Bible in this continent, in the aftermath of the war, he was essentially penniless and had no real means by which to, to continue on. And if not for George Washington's help, Payne never would have had this place where we're sitting right now, right? Correct, correct. And I think a lot of his downfall was because he never learned to be a politician. He didn't want to be a politician. So he spoke his truth, whether it was detrimental to him or not. There's some kind of conversation that has to do with like England or British people. Yes, but it has to do with the direction things are going in, or we have to go in the right direction, or that's not the right direction. But I feel like 
I feel like my hands are tied. It's not up to me. I can't just be my free self. I have to kind of like, I have to behave. I don't know why I'm saying that. And he really agitated a lot of people, <laughs> especially in the latter years of his life. Yes. Right? Yes. Even the guy who's responsible for getting him this property, even George Washington. Oh, he was a very harsh critic of really harsh on him. General Washington. Well, Washington then was the president, and he had a different duty. And even today, politicians that succeed don't always tell their truth. They go along with what their constituents and who are going to vote them back in need to hear. And Payne believed in speaking the truth, and that's what he did. His truth. Since I have to behave, because if I want to be myself, then if I'm myself, then I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to get a bad outcome. So I should have to behave myself, whatever that is. And what's this person's connection to the house? I don't know. They're here. Okay. You know, again, like a happy accident. I think she was the right person for this particular investigation. One, because she's a pretty gifted medium. Um, she has been studied. She has passed rigorous, you know, tests to be certified as a medium. Um, and she's really nice. She's really sweet and a compassionate person. And we're dealing with somebody like Suzanne, who was a little spooked. It was really nice to have somebody there who was willing to talk about her cats as much as she was talking about, you know, any kind of uh, signs or any kind of messages she was getting from people in spirit. She she continued to say and point out, I don't know history. And I, yeah, it's weird because I don't know history. Um, but I also don't know time frames. I just repeat what I hear and what I see. I just repeat it. At first, I was like, well, okay. A lot of people can say that. I don't know history. But I saw, I started perceiving that there was more to read in to about that statement. She doesn't know history. She doesn't fill her hard drive with history because her hard drive is filled with receiving these communications. I don't know. I'm just repeating what I kind of hearing. How do we, I know you a long time and you and I are just from similar backgrounds. We we're similar guys who wandered into the same business 30 years ago and, you know, bounced around a little bit and got to know each other that way. But we're very similar. We have a lot of similar things in our background, our, upbringing we both played college football things like that so i i know you and like i know you're not bsing me about she didn't know this place and kathy didn't but people watching this aren't going to have that trust necessarily how do we convince people first of explain that she knew nothing about this site or where she was going explain sort of the trajectory of how you contacted her when you contacted her and how it came that she came to the site and explain that she did not really have any info about it. Sure. Uh, I called Kathy. We had this investigation set up for a Saturday night. Uh, I reached out to Kathy on Facebook messenger uh, Wednesday and said, Hey, you know, listen, uh, Kathy, um, you know, are you available on Saturday? Now, I had worked with Kathy at the Merchant's House probably seven, eight, maybe even 10 years earlier. 
and you know hadn't hadn't seen her hadn't seen her in person and just communicated through email and and messenger but i reached out to her and uh, and said kathy I, she lives in the area and uh, i said listen i got a uh, a, an investigation uh, i'm going to do up there i didn't tell her in fact i think i almost led her to believe that it was a private home investigation i didn't say the owners of the house i said the people that are in the house rather than saying owners because i don't believe gary and suzanne are the owners of that house and but i didn't want to let out that it was a historic home because i didn't want her googling anything so uh so she said that yes she was available she was uh more than happy to do it she loves doing this and uh I met her at the Scarsdale train station at the Starbucks. So we, we were meeting there at a neutral location and she knew nothing. She didn't want to know anything about the home. Um, I, the only way we can really convince people that that is true is I, I can, I only have my reputation and, you know, I don't pat myself a lot on the back often, but I will say that I'm proud of the reputation I have in this field because the people that I respect know that I'm not a can I curse? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know that I'm not a and uh, and people that I respect in my personal life, like you, like you said, we've known each other thirty years, maybe, and and or close to it. And and you're a stand-up guy, and and I and I'm flattered that that you think i'm a, a stand-up guy as well and that's probably why we remain friends um kathy didn't know where she was going she didn't know uh she didn't know your name i didn't give her your name i didn't want her googling you uh i told her that it was connected with a podcast and would that be okay and she said yeah yeah sure whatever um she didn't know suzanne or gary's name she didn't know that they were she knew nothing she knew to meet me at Starbucks at the Scarsdale train station, period. Yeah, and and she, like, when I came out and started filming, mm -hmm. she's like, is he filming? Like, she didn't know didn't tell her anything. that we were making a production of any kind. No. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, it, Hi. It, <laughs> is he recording? I think humans, there are categories of humans on how their right. brains work, and I think she's one of those people that her brain works in that way that she's not about retaining lots of info. She's more about receiving the messages she gets in this, in these situations. I don't know what goes on, but they say that there's a lot of activity in the front of the house. Literally like, um, they keep showing me like someone like setting off bombs. The story was told that the bullet came in a previous room in the back, but we now think that being this was Payne's room, the bullet came through here. You think it actually came through one of these windows? Yes. And his desk would have been between the two windows for the better light. And from a letter that Payne wrote, he said that the uh, bullet uh, lodged in underneath the windowsill. Was there like explosions on this property? Or somebody said that they had bombs that they could. If someone comes on my property, I'll blow you up. They give me the feeling of like bombs, possibly, because I feel very defensive. Like yes. you just can't come here when you want, kind of a feeling. It was really interesting watching her. Yeah. Now, and I and I, after being with her for an hour or so, I I believed. I'm like, oh, she's not making this up. She's 
she's at least perceiving that she's receiving information. Whatever happened throughout time in this place feels like it's always tied to a man. It's always tied to a man. So a man had ownership over this house, but there's a significant lady of the time that, that people know her or want to know her. There's children that live here at one time because I keep hearing the children laughing, laughing. I hear them. They're running around the property. It's a very free feeling here for them. The children lived here because I feel like this is like, I'm not thrown off by this being a little crib thing. I'm seeing like, like a school age kid. After serving in the American Revolutionary War, Payne went to France while in France and with very little means, Payne became nearly destitute and in 1797 was taken in by printer and activist Nicholas de Bonneville and his family. But when Bonneville was arrested in 1802, accused of being a revolutionary, Bonneville's wife, Marguerite, and two of their three school-aged sons fled with Payne to America. Somebody serves in the military here in a very big way. I keep seeing that over and over again, and it's tied to a formal war or tied to going into service during wartime. Both brothers Benjamin and Thomas Bonneville would attend West Point Academy. After graduating West Point in 1815, Benjamin Bonneville also served in the Mexican-American War from 1846 to 1848. And after retiring from the military, he became a renowned explorer of the West but would be called out of retirement to serve in the American Civil War from 1861 to 1865. He finally retired for good at the age of 70 in 1866 as a general. The Pontiac Bonneville automobile is named for him. There is a difference between this room and that room. I want to go like in that room because one of the rooms, I keep seeing somebody looking out to the front yard. Lord, Someone's like keeping. I know this floor is picking me. Yeah, I think it's this room. It's a really different energetic feeling, this side of the house, compared to that. Yes. This feels different to me. I feel like, um, like the, for some reason why, I feel like there's, either two boys that live here or two brothers or two children, but I get this peering out the window feeling. Now watch this transition. It's really weird. I'm gonna say this. As if she was suddenly receiving from an entirely new spirit or voice. Yeah. We were, you know, we were seeking out Thomas Paine information, right? right? And, and the Bonneville boys and so forth. And suddenly she like, her whole behavior changed and yeah. she looked at me. I'm gonna say this to the camera. The person holding the camera has written a book or did some authoring because they just said, he's a writer, he's a writer, he's a writer. Is that correct? Perhaps. Okay, thank you. You didn't tell me that. No. No. What I interpreted it as when we were in the library in the back left room overlooking North Avenue, I interpreted it as the streams of information crossed in some way. Now, Kathy, she's a pro. She's been doing this a long time. I'm going to believe her in that uh, I'm going to believe her that that she was dealing with 
your the spirit of your mom the spirit of your mom came through i'm going to believe that your mom was with us because that's what kathy does and she knows how to differentiate between the psychic reading and a mediumship reading but uh um it, if it was somebody else, I would have thought, okay, that's that was kind of a cool psychic reading, but it wasn't really a mediumship reading. Did I tell you that my mom grew up a mile up the street? Yeah, you showed me the house. You showed I showed the you house. the house, right? Was, but you didn't, didn't. You didn't tell Kathy that. The whole Laverne and Shirley thing. I was like, okay, now she's BSing because I'm like, but but then I understood what the hell she was talking about, and I'm like, oh, the it's the it's the era and it's the behavior of the the way my mom and her sisters and brothers used to joke around. And I'm like, oh my God, she that's very accurate. So that that was weird, man. I mean, it wasn't disturbing in any way. It was just, mm -hmm. it took me by surprise because I'm like, <laughs> we're investigating Thomas Paine. Yeah. And suddenly I'm like, no, there's some really specific info about me and my family and my mom who died about a year to the day before we did that investigation. There's like a, oh, I can't do this because it's for the living. I'm just going to say this. It's not related to the house. It's for the person holding in the camera. They keep show, showing me um, Laverne and Shirley, Gary Marshall, Squiggy, and whatever. And they keep putting that all around you. And they're like being funny about this. This is like a family member, like joking around with you that's in spirit. But they're giving me this happy days kind of a Laverne and Shirley kind of a feeling, but it's a very much Gary Marshall kind of feeling. Do you understand that? Now, earlier in the night, she had said the name a William, a William. So I don't know if that's tied to the property or not. William. And at the time, William did not seem to have any relevance to pain. However, the gentleman in these three photos, William Jerome Fay. William Fay Jr. and William Kelly are my mother's father, brother, and son. What's the name of the person joking around? It's a woman. Oh, it's a woman? Yeah. It's like, do you remember they used to go like this <laughs> with the snapping? And yeah, yeah. It's being drawn to you. All um, right. Would you understand that your mother's family is very, very different than your father's side of the family? Yes, I would. Yeah. And I feel like your mother's side of the, this is coming from your mother's side of the family. It's very interesting because there's like a different way that they would joke around versus your father's side. And your mother's a bit of a character. Do you understand that? I do. Yeah. She says there's three kids. I don't know what that is. So who are the three kids? Well, they could be, my, they they could be my three kids. Okay, good. Yeah. Do you understand the... She's singing, humming. What's she singing? You, you hear that, right? She's doing that, humming under her breath, singing like this. <laughs> Any idea what she's singing? I don't know. She's going like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you understand like that? Yeah, she's I definitely understand that. that. Yeah, <laughs> mom sings. Yeah. She's doing that in a way. Mm -hmm. She keeps going like this, fixing, fixing, fixing. <laughs> She just gives you a big hug. She says thank you because of what you're doing for everyone else. And it's really about keeping everything alive for people. Do you understand that? Yes. She's saying thank you. 
Things were complicated with her. Do you understand that? <laughs> Do you understand that, yes or no? Yes. Just like things were just not right. She's smiling. She smiles She's a lot. smiling. Yeah. yeah, she loves you, loves you, loves you. Is that okay? Sorry, no. I just broke right into that. I couldn't help it. All right, she had a strong spirit. <laughs> she's sweet. I like that, how she's fixing herself. And what was the humming thing? Because she really made me do that. She sang. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, okay, sorry. No, don't be. <laughs> All right, good. No. And she, I, what I didn't tell you is, she tapped into my mom, dude. Like, that was my mom. Right. I mean, it was an incredible coincidence. Because, And the singing, the last thing I did with my mom before she lost her memory was sing. We would sing. It was as she was losing her memory, we would sing together because mm -hmm. it was all she could still kind of do. Right. So, and the, the family and the, she said, she goes, your mom's family joked around very different than your dad's family. Mm-hmm. It could, I mean, she couldn't hit it more accurately. Right. So is that what was happening in your opinion that the streams crossed? You know, maybe. And also like all of that information she was giving you is information that is hardwired into you. And so I don't know if she was speaking with your mom or if that was an, ex uh, an example of a psychic reading where she was getting information from you. Now, Kathy, she's a pro. She's been doing this a long time. I'm going to believe her in that, uh, I'm going to believe her that that she was dealing with your the spirit of your mom. The spirit of your mom came through. She was kind of aware too. Look, this is not about Chance's family. And we. I need to get back to where these guys want me to be, which is in the Thomas Paine mode of thought and right. and then she shifted back in there's a flooding issue in real life here is that correct yes yeah that's why they should change it they should change it to the way it used to be because it wouldn't have flooded if they did it whatever that means <laughs> there's something else i know this property there's a building on the front of the property but they keep telling me that there was something else in the back of the property i also felt like we almost tricked her because mm -hmm. That house is not where it was. That house was a quarter mile away up the hill. Mm -hmm. It's entire life that people lived in it. And so I'm sitting there going, well, let's see, because she'll say some stuff about living here. Right. But she hit on all that, too. She's like, something's this isn't right. This wasn't here. This right. is not correct. I view that. I, I interpreted that as she's she's got that sense that this house was somewhere else, you know, in some other format, in some right. other configuration. She was right on. And I love, I loved when, um, when Suzanne and Gary said something about, you know, up in the attic, and she went, "There's no attic." But in the original house that was a quarter mile away, and that we were standing in at that moment, there was no attic. There was no attic then. Yeah, you in know, the room that no the attic. boys were in. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I love that she said, "Well, there's no attic. There's no attic," and we were like, "Well, yeah, there is." But in the original house, there wasn't. There's no attic. Do you understand that? No. Was that like done after? We don't know. We don't know the timelines. 
because it feels like when I'm here, there's no attic. Is that yes. correct? Yes. This is a very old place. Yes. I mean, I don't need to know dates, but this place has been taken through the years. Someone in this area is tied to an out-of-state connection in a very big way. So when they came here, they came from another state, and that's like a primary person. The children are a big deal. Yeah, there's like stuff behind me. There's some talk about a fire on the property. Do you understand a fire? Yes. Because they keep talking about it behind me, like telling me to turn around. I don't know if that's the location of it, but they keep wanting me to turn around and look at it. In its original location up the hill, Payne's main manor house had burned to the ground, which is why he and the boys moved into this cottage, the one that remains today. And yes, if somebody wanted her to see that, she would need to turn around in order to see that up the hill behind her. Exactly where she says they are telling her to look. And I liked that it. it was only five of us there. So mm -hmm. you could account for everybody at every moment. Now, speaking of which, did you have a recording of the, the tin drum thing that we heard? Uh, I didn't have a re recording of that. My my recorder, I wasn't recording yet. That was right at the beginning. I think that was before we even went into the house, maybe. Was, or when, when we had just out. come out of the house okay, yeah. to go. It was even before we went behind the house. Um, yeah. And I was the last one out of the house. Mm -hmm. Gary was holding the Zoom at that point. Thank God, because that's I didn't start filming yet. Right. Everyone was out. I had just come out. And she was talking, Kathy was talking, and... Okay. Yeah, and, I'm, like, kind of um, strict with that. And I don't know everything about the house. I've just, I've been here twice, just Did briefly. you hear that? Did anyone just hear that? Yes. Yeah, you I heard, heard that, something. right? I yeah. heard that, It sounded like a... It's in the house. Yeah. Did you hear that? But no one's It sounded like, yeah. like a metal drum. Yeah. Really? You heard, I heard that, that, right? I heard it, Did you yeah. hear it? Yeah. I, I heard, heard it so clearly. It sounded yeah, like it sounded a metal like drum. That. Um, but we're outside. Yeah. But, but I heard that. I heard that, yeah. too. Okay, good. Did and, you hear uh, that, Chance? I did not. I yeah. heard that. But so, hopefully the recorder. Okay. Right. All right, good. All right. Boom. This weird, like, kid's toy drum. And the thing for me was... First off, I did not hear it. I don't know if Gary Gary didn't hear it either. So the no, three I that I know. Yeah. So the three that heard it were the three most believers, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You with the experience, Kathy being the clairvoyant, or is that the right word? Also, sure, sure, sure. clairvoyant. Clairvoyant is is clear, clear seeing. Okay, and right. Su Suzanne being the one who really was buying in from the beginning, who. Mm -hmm really was the impetus for this entire investigation, not Gary. So my interpretation is, well, me and Gary just weren't entirely believing yet. Right. So we, we didn't hear it or we weren't listening for it perhaps, mm -hmm. but on that, on my zoom recorder, that thing is clear as day. Okay. Yeah. And, I'm like kind of um, strict with that. And I don't know everything about the house. I've just, I've been here twice. Just Did briefly. you hear that? Yeah. How do we not hear that? I don't know. I don't know. I've picked stuff up like that uh, before. And yeah, I, I heard it. And it's funny. I heard it. It registered. And I didn't say anything uh, until Kathy said, did you hear that? 
and then Suzanne said, yeah, I heard, and, and I don't know what the order was, but, uh, but I heard it. I heard it and didn't say anything. And it sounded like, to me, it sounded like a big, heavy pot. Somebody dropped a big, heavy pot and it landed on the floor. Um, yeah. How do you explain that? Who knows? Who knows? That's why we do this. Now, re re think back to the act when you actually did hear it. I know it was quick and it was, you know, went and there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Did it sound then like it sounds now when we listen to it on that recording that I sent you? Yeah. Same? Yeah. Same sound quality? Been here twice, just Did briefly. you hear that? I mean, you know, when you're listening to the recording, you know it's a recording. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would, if you, if you, when I listened to that, it was, yeah, that's, that's the noise that I heard. That's the noise that I heard. The thing that, you know, makes me think a little bit about that specific noise is that noise does not sound consistent with, okay, if you're outside of a house, you know, I'm from this area, I mean, I'm in and around the suburbs my whole life, you know, right. I'm outside a house, I hear a sound inside the house, there's a muffled quality to it, there's a, a distant quality to it. Mm -hmm. If it's some, if it's a neighbor's metal garbage can, there's definitely distance attached yeah. to that sound quality. Right. Okay. When I hear that sound, that sound is consistent with me being inside that house and that happening in the next rumors or, or in the same room. Right. I don't hear the distance of it. I don't hear the fadedness of it. Mm -hmm. That's why it seems odd to me. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're becoming a paranormal investigator. Jay. No, I'm not. That's, that's, I'm that's, just hearing that's this. That's what we do. That's what we do. The fact that you and Gary heard it, like you said, everybody was busy. You know, it, and we didn't they, hear it. Gary and I well, did not. You guys didn't hear it. Maybe, you know, everybody was busy. Everybody was focused on something else. And who knows? Who knows? But yeah, it's it it it, it was cool. But he had the recorder in his hand. I mean, he yeah. he was the recorder. So yeah. how could he not have heard it? And I, I was there last night. I asked him, by the way, did you hear it when it happened? No. Yeah. There's a mystery about this place. There's a mysterious, um, someone's either taken away or there's a sudden passing on this property. But I feel like there's a mystery or a mysterious story about that. He passed on in 1809. He was, he was buried right here, right over here, and is on his own property. And you would think that, well, okay, finally, maybe this guy found his home, found his purpose and found his ultimate peace. But that didn't last, did it? No. What happened? Uh, well, 10 years later, uh, a crazed fan, as they, they uh, labeled him, William Cobbett, decided that the Americas did not give Thomas Paine his rightful type of funeral, which was true. So he dug up his bones in the middle of the night, threw them in the back of a, a cart, and with people actually chasing after him, uh, he was able to get the body onto a boat and bring it to England. Unfortunately, he was, um, he didn't think it through. He never raised the funds before he stole the body. So when he got back to England, he was never able to raise the funds and the body just was thrown in his attic. When he finally passed on, his son found it so the body just rotted and pieces were sold off for money. There's like a feeling of like, um, I can't move on. I'm stuck with this and I don't know why. 
I feel like I can't end the story. I can't like give you an outcome. I'm like just stuck in it. I, I, I believe you should be left where you're left. Having this done to him and having the respect I have for him, I find it upsetting. I mean, your final resting spot should be just that, regardless of what form your faith takes. That should be, for anybody, should have that, that right to, to rest peacefully and, and not be desecrated and, and exhumed. I, I can't see how that could make a soul <laughs> continue to rest. Um, At the conclusion of the investigation, we reviewed the facts and info about the property with Catherine, who, as she admittedly explained, does not know history and thereby had never heard of Thomas Paine. She, she wasn't out there trying to convince us of anything. You know, she wasn't trying to, to make us believe she was a medium. She was just going, hey, listen, this is, this is the information I'm getting. Does it mean anything to you? If it does, great. If it doesn't, all right. For this nation becoming a sovereign nation, mm -hmm. Thomas Paine, literally, by his writings, mm -hmm. and uh, his, he wrote Common Sense, and that was the impetus for the Declaration of Independence and the American Revolution. You know, I loved learning about Thomas Paine, and I had no idea how, uh, you know, how major he was in our lives today, you know? I mean, this is hundreds of years ago, a guy whose name I was familiar with, but couldn't I couldn't have told you if he was a, a ball player or, you know, a, a founding father. I didn't know. I just knew I knew the name Thomas Paine. So uh, so it was cool to learn about him and, and his beliefs and the things he was doing hundreds of years ago are affecting us today and have affected us today in the world in the world um so that's amazing i got to hang out with you you know and and that was really cool and uh and met you know suzanne and gary so it's you know it was and that's what i like about this field you meet really cool smart interesting people and uh and for the most part everybody's really cool and really nice when he died in 1809, they wouldn't accept him in the Quaker cemetery here. His, he was born a Quaker. In England, oh. Okay, Yet he renounced Quakerism most of his life. Then he embraced it right towards the end of his life. But they didn't accept him when he, was, when he died to be buried there. So that's why he was buried here. Okay. Okay. But you would think, well, okay, then he's at least resting peacefully on his land that became his, what he truly called his home by the end of mm -hmm. his life. But then he was dug up 10 years mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. So does that affect his spirit? Does that affect his soul? No, I don't think it affects his soul because that is the body which doesn't go on to the afterlife. So a lot of times when I do my readings, there's a reflection of what someone did in memory of, but they don't attach to it because that's just the vehicle. That was their body when they were living here. It, so there's something cathartic and just liberating about seeking the truth with yeah. like-minded people and that's what i'm into uh, especially in today's world when the truth has taken on a new meaning a new you this the truth has become subjective yeah <laughs> apparently yeah. yeah yeah but i don't buy that there's a one truth and yeah. the only way to find it is to go find it Colonel Catherine Nadal, retired, is a 30-year U.S. Army veteran in addition to being a professional medium. Her latest book, She Danced by the Light of the Moon, 
along with her other titles, is available through her website at dreamcentralstation.com, dreamcentralstation.com, and at most major booksellers. Catherine is available for readings and consultations via her website. Colonel Nadal, we say thank you for your service, and as far as this assignment, wow, (laughs) that was really something. Thank you so much. And my man Dano, his website is sturgisparanormal.com. Dano, Heveldik. Folks, in this half hour, we have barely scratched the surface on the wealth of history and information that this remarkable place offers. And Gary and Suzanne welcome and encourage all of you to come visit for yourselves and ask them any questions you may have. Just go to their website, thomaspainecottage.org, thomaspainecottage.org, and click on the visit slash contact us link at the top right to set up your tour. The place isn't just beautiful. There's just an incredible feeling it brings, and it's something I can't quite describe. It's just something you have to go experience for yourself. This is nothing less than a national treasure and a priceless gem of our true American history. We extend our heartfelt thanks to Gary and Suzanne and to the entire board of the Huguenot and New Rochelle Historical Association for this magnificent opportunity. Vedankt. Merci. Thank you. Folks, you can watch or listen to this podcast. Our YouTube handle is Island Voices YouTube, Island Voices YouTube, or you can just listen to Island Voices on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Climb aboard. History's cool. Island Voices is a production of Chance Kelly, Inc. and may not be reproduced, rebroadcast, or re-exhibited in whole or in part in any manner without authorization. Thank you.